Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. In our, in our second worship service later this morning, we have the joy. It is a joy. We're going to celebrate uh, three individuals who've trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they want to make that reality public um, before you all. Um, a few weeks ago, I was filling out our convention annual church profile, something we're supposed to do every year, and I was looking back on our documents, and it was just a, another opportunity for a blessing. Um, Next month will be five years since I've been here, and for my records, there's been 20. This will be 23 baptisms. Tommy, you've had at least two or three while I've been here, and Daniel, one. And so praise the Lord, 23 this morning. Um, All glory to him for his work here. Uh, And it's always a reason to give God praise when uh, we see people testify of their faith in Jesus Christ and then obey what he's commanded. And almost all of the baptism services I've been a part of here, uh, it's been my usual practice to direct our hearts to what God's word teaches about baptism. Uh, I think we had better have an understanding of why we're doing what we're doing here at Dublin First Baptist, uh, of why this is Dublin First Baptist Church. And uh, I feel the burden to do that because I'm I'm sure you're aware uh, there are other churches and there's other Christians who see baptism and do baptism differently than we do here. Uh, I, I would be doing an injustice to God's word if I just left it at that. They, they see baptism incorrectly, and they do baptism incorrectly, at least according to Scripture. Uh, now, I'd, I'd estimate that the vast majority of you here this morning, especially the members of our church, you have a solid understanding about what's going to happen here later. Um, You know why the church of Jesus Christ is to baptize. You know exactly what it's all about biblically. Of course, there might be some who don't uh, yet, um, and we have a responsibility, I especially do, to make sure that we clearly communicate what we're doing and why we're doing it to anybody who might not know or who might be confused about God's purpose in baptism and how his word says it's to be practiced in the church of Jesus Christ. We've been going through the book of Acts uh, for a while now on Sunday mornings. In Acts, we find plenty of instructions and examples there about baptism. So let's head there. Let's go way back to the beginning. If you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 2, that's really the first place that we see Christian baptism in the New Testament church. As far as baptism goes, God's word teaches us that first of all, it it is a witness, it's not a work. And I want to look at Acts 2, 38 to 41. Let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, According to God's word, we are saved one way and one way only by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Amen? That's how we are saved. Um, That's what God tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and most of you know that verse well. For by grace... You are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Your salvation is a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. By grace, through faith, not of works, our salvation is the gift of God. God tells us the very same thing in in Titus 3, 5. 
You probably know that verse as well. We are saved from our sins, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to God's mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Spirit. But there are some professing Christians that believe otherwise. Um, they believe that our works have a role as a cause in our salvation rather than just as an effect of our salvation as the Bible clear, clearly teaches. Um, one of the works that some believe is a cause or is necessary for salvation is what we're going to do here this morning, baptism. Did you know there's even some Baptists, uh, different denominations of Baptists that believe that? Uh, they, the doctrine they hold to is called regenerational baptism. Um, they believe that we are born again, not when we trust in Jesus as Savior. That's not when we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They believe that that happens up there. And um, I don't, you might wonder, well, why, why would they believe such a thing? Uh, especially in light of those verses we just referenced, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and, and Titus 3, 5. Well, let's go down to Acts 2, and let's read verses 38 to 41. It says, And Peter said unto them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And then it says in verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So here Peter has just wrapped up his day of Pentecost sermon. There's thousands of people there listening to him. They had come to Jerusalem for the Jewish feast of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit had come uh, to indwell the apostles and the disciples of Jesus as they were gathered in that upper room prayer meeting. And they headed out. Uh, once they were indwelled, filled with the Spirit, they headed out into the street declaring the gospel in all of the different languages of the people who happened to be there for that Pentecost feast. As Peter brings his sermon to a close here uh, in, in verse 37, uh, the people convicted of their sin, having just been told that Jesus, the one who was uh, just crucified and risen again about 40 days earlier, um, they asked Peter this in verse 37, what must we do to be saved? How can we be saved? And this is Peter's Holy Spirit inspired response in verse 38. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now I want you to think about what we just read there about what God has just said through Peter here in that verse about how we are saved. If you were to take this verse alone, just, I mean, take this verse all by itself, um, translated as it is here in our English Bibles, and if you paid no mind whatsoever to all the other scriptures that clearly tell us uh, how we are saved, like the ones we mentioned earlier, um, that clearly say it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, if you just took this verse by itself, I could see how some people could become confused and arrived at the conclusion that baptism is necessary for salvation, that it's a work that we need to do in order to be saved. But the issue is that there are a lot of other scriptures that say otherwise. And you know what? This scripture really doesn't say that either. If you have a pen or you have a highlighter, if you're willing to mark in your Bible, you ought to underline or circle that little word for right there in, in verse 38, um, where it says for 
the remission of sins. It's a tiny little word. Uh, the Greek word that uh, for is translated, it, it's tiny too. Same amount of letters. It's E-I-S, ice. And here's the thing. It doesn't always mean, and it is not always translated in Scripture as for. Uh, do you know what it can also mean? And what it's also translated as? On account of. Or because of. And with a view to. Let me reread verse 38 that way. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ on account of the remission of your sins. Already happening when you repented and believed. Or because of the remission of sins. That already happened when you repented and believed and when you were saved. Or with a view to the forgiveness, the remission of your sins. That already happened when you believe. I've only found two English Bible translations that put it that way. One's the Amplified Bible, um, more of a, a paraphrase, and the other is the Weymouth English translation. But listen to me, friend. I, I do not know. I don't know of a single doctrinal error or heresy that has not come from a person interpreting the Word of God incorrectly. They will pull one verse out of context, uh, disregarding all other verses that might say otherwise, and, and they'll take that one verse that they pull out of context, and then they will construct a design, this whole system of belief around one verse. We need to let the Word of God interpret the Word of God. Do you understand what I, I mean by doing that? If something, if you come across something in God's Word and it seems to contradict what you know Scripture to say elsewhere, well, then you need to keep studying, because I promise you this, there are no contradictions in the Word of God. If, if it seems to be, it's because we have not yet understood what God is saying. This is truth. Truth does not contradict itself, especially when it comes from the author of truth. Scripture reconciles Scripture. It does every time. But do you see just how one little word, one little word can cause such confusion? And it's dangerous confusion. It's eternally dangerous to believe that something that you and I do will get us to heaven. Because the only thing that will save us from our sins is what has been done for us in Jesus Christ. Our faith in him and what Jesus has done for us. Baptism is a witness. It's not a work. When Will and TJ and Jordan get baptized later this morning, they are not doing a single thing. They're doing no work that has the power to save them. They've already experienced that power that saves God's grace and our faith in his grace to us in Jesus. They're being baptized as simply a witness of what's already happened in their lives. God's word also affirms that baptism gives us sustaining grace, not saving grace. Will you turn over to Acts 8? And we'll spend the rest of our time there this morning in two different passages. Acts 8, 12 to 13. I want to stay near the beginning of the early church as we look at the purpose and practice of baptism. Uh, and these, new, these two next examples are um, ones from the Deacon Phillips ministry. Let's read Acts 8, verses 12 and 13. It says, But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. 
So here the gospel now, if you remember, it's probably been months ago since we were in this passage. But the gospel has left Jerusalem, and it's headed to the there of our, our here, there, and everywhere. Uh, the deacon Philip has now taken the gospel to Samaria. He's preaching that we're saved one way and one way only, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And verse 12 says, But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, it's then that they were baptized, both men and women. Please notice, there is an order here that we've already seen back in Acts 2.38, an order that we see, a pattern that we see throughout the word of God whenever baptism is mentioned. Here it is. Baptism comes after belief. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism comes after salvation, after you have been saved. Remember, it is a witness. It is a testifying of the salvation that has already happened in your life. It's not a work that causes salvation to happen in your life. Belief comes before baptism. Now, the first part of verse 13 gives us an example of that same order as well, when it says Simon himself believed also, and then he was baptized. As Baptists, this is what we describe ourselves of. I hope it's true. I hope it's more than just a, a, a saying. Uh, we hold the Word of God to be our only rule, our only regulating force for what we believe and what we do. And we call this doctrine, we call our practice of baptism, we call it believer's baptism, because that's the pattern. That's the order that we find in Scripture. Now, you might come from, um, might be how you were raised. You might know people and have dear Christian friends that do things differently. We don't baptize infants here. Why not? Some other churches have done that for thousands of years. Well, because we do things based on God's word and not church tradition, uh, not because some church has always done it this way or that way. Why not? Because we believe that God's word is our only rule for faith and practice, for what we believe, for what we do, and we do not find a single instance of infants being baptized in the word of God anywhere. It's not there. It wasn't long ago that we studied the passage in Acts where Cornelius and his family got saved and were baptized. There was another one more recently where the Philippian jailer and his family believed and were baptized. And, and that's the argument from those who baptize infants. They, they'll say, uh, well, to be sure, there were babies in that house. Uh, well, it doesn't say that there were, so I'm not sure. But what I am sure about, what you can be sure of, is that in every single instance where somebody is baptized in the Word of God, baptism always followed belief. It's pretty difficult for babies to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Young kids can. They can. I received Jesus as Savior when I was uh, four years old. Just last year, we had two little ones that were four. And they had been saved, and they got baptized at four. It I took me a little while longer. I want to make sure I want to drown up there. Right? Um, so, I mean, that can happen. But the pattern, the order that we find in God's Word is that baptism always follows belief. And that's because baptism is a means of God sustaining grace in our lives. It's not a means of God saving grace. Now, there are some who believe otherwise, and that's often why they baptize infants, because they want them to be saved. Well, yeah, I do too, and I pray that way. Uh, there's every little one that's in this church who I do not know if they've trusted in Jesus as Savior from the time that um, they're born till I get that birth announcement on Facebook or something. I pray for them. There's little ones back there this morning. I praise the Lord for it. And, and and Jared, Nicole, I pray for your little ones every day. 
And I'm thankful that you've got a family structure and, and, and parents, and you've got a church family who's going to come around you and make sure the gospel gets here. It has to get here before it gets here. That's what we're to do. We want them to be saved. Um, but God's word teaches us that they can only be saved. I'm going to use Tracy Smith's gospel presentation here. All right, when they do ABC, they have to, one, admit, they have to admit that they're a sinner in need of salvation. Little kids can't always do that just yet. It takes a while. Usually in the twos and threes, I've worked in enough church nurseries to know it's about then that they start seeing that they might be a sinner and told that they're a sinner. But you have to admit that you're a sinner in need of salvation. And then secondly, B, A, B, C, you have to believe that Jesus Christ was sent by God to do what he did in order to save us from our sins. You have to believe in the person and work of Christ, that, that Jesus was God's promised Messiah, his son, and that you have to believe in the work of, that he died on that cross for your sin and for my sin, and, and he took care of our sins. We can be forgiven of them by the blood of Christ, and then finally see in the ABC, you have to confess. That's what God tells us in Romans 10, 9, and 10. You have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You have to believe in your heart that God has risen raised him from the dead. Now, you can typically, you confess that in prayer to God. There's no prayer that saves you. I'll, I've told you this before. I remember my first year here, uh, youth pastor, I don't think I've been here a month. We were having VBS, and they asked me to do the final one where you present the gospel, and it quickly turned into, a, it felt like, an ordination uh, interrogation. Them little ones knew God's word that were there, and they had a lot of questions. One of them said, well, what if, what if I'm in the middle of the prayer and I die? And I said, well, the prayer's not what saves you. It's the faith that you're expressing in the prayer. That's what saves you. It's not some magic incantation. Did I say it right? Did I include everything that you need to? It's the faith that saves you. ABC. It's not that hard. It's a simple thing. Uh, there's no saving grace in baptism. If, if somebody's never experienced saving grace by trusting in Jesus as their Savior, all baptism does is make them a wet sinner still in need of salvation. But baptism does, it does impart sustaining grace because any obedience to Jesus Christ does, whether that's the Christian obeying Christ's command to be baptized or obeying Christ's command to spend time with the Lord on a regular basis every day in his word and, and in prayer, whether that's obeying Christ's command to assemble together like we are this morning for worship and for encouragement, those are all, all of those are means of God sustaining grace in the life of a follower of Jesus. And please don't think, well, means of sustaining grace are less important than, than how we are saved. They're the whole reason. <laughs> They're the whole purpose behind you and I receiving saving grace. Earlier, I left off verse 10. I really hate doing that of, of Ephesians 2. So let me just read that whole thing together for you once more. For by grace, you are saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Here's verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you see where works come? After. They're the whole reason we are saved. These means of sustaining grace. Listen, don't put the cart before the horse, but don't see the cart as unimportant either. And often we've used that salvation equation thing. I've shown it up here. You want to know what saved is? It's faith equals salvation plus works. That's God's salvation equation. That's how you're saved. You have faith in Jesus Christ. You're saved. And the works come after. Don't move works where they don't belong. Don't put them over there. God didn't put them over there. Don't do it. Don't take them out completely. There's... People who do that too, well, it doesn't matter what I do. No, it does. 
Leave it there where God put it. One more example, Acts 36, Acts 8, 36 to 38. And according to Scripture, baptism is an identification. It's not an initiation into relationship with Jesus. By now, you probably see, I might have three points in this sermon, but there's really only one point. And that's revealed again in this next example of baptism. Uh, here in verses 36 to 38, God supernaturally moves Philip, like literally beams him uh, to a new location uh, to have an interaction with an Ethiopian official who has some questions to share the gospel with him. Let's read verses 36 to 38 now of Acts 8. It says, And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. You see the pattern again? The order of belief always coming before baptism? That's because baptism is an identification with Jesus Christ. It's not an initiation to relationship with Christ. It's, how, it's not how we are saved. It's what you are to do once you are saved. And baptism preaches, church. I mean, there's not a whole lot that's set up there. Usually I, I ask them to make a confession, a profession of faith. Um, they've already done that to me. I always make sure that there has been belief before baptism when I'm talking with them privately, but they need to testify it up there verbally too. It's usually not much more than a yes, or it can be more, whatever they want. But what they do is what is, is preaching. There's an identification here. It's a short sermon. There's not a whole lot said, but it preaches that we are now in union with Christ. And because of that, we're also in union with others who are in union with Christ. In this concise passage here, verses 36 to 38, I am sure Philip had shared with him what it means to follow Jesus, that you have to trust in who Jesus is and what Christ has done for you to save you from your sins. That's the only way you can be saved. And I'm sure Philip also told them that it's the command of Jesus to be baptized for those who have trusted in Christ as Savior. And this man asked Philip in verse 36, well, what's keeping me from being baptized? And God's clear answer through Philip in verse 37 is this, if you believe with all your heart, you can be baptized. And Ethiopian man says, I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he was God's promised Messiah, Savior. And because that man placed his trust in Christ to save him from his sins, Philip, it says, took him down into the water. You know, just like Jesus went down into the water when he was baptized and he came up out of it. Listen, God's word is quite clear that the biblical form of baptism is immersion. It's not sprinkling. It's not pouring. And it's because of what it is supposed to portray. It's because of it. you are portraying, you're, you're preaching, you're showing in symbolic action your identification with Christ. Yet, so it matters how we do it. Baptism is an identification with Christ, just like what we read earlier when Tommy led us in Romans 6, 1 through 11. It's a picture of what has already happened in your life when you trusted in Jesus as Savior. It's a picture of Christ's death burial, and resurrection. And when you trusted in Jesus, you, your old man, your old nature died, <laughs> but it didn't stay dead, right? You didn't stay dead. You were raised to walk in newness of life, as Romans 6 says. So you came up out of that water, raised to walk in newness of life, just like Jesus Christ was raised from the dead on resurrection morning. So do you see the, the picture that, that's being shown here in all of this and, and what's going to happen here later this morning? 
Baptism does not initiate us into a relationship with Jesus. It's an identification of a relationship that has already begun. Sometimes, maybe a day before, with Jordan, two years ago she got saved at VBS. With Will and TJ, it's been a couple decades. It's never too late to follow Jesus, right? It's never too late to obey what Jesus has told us to do. Hey, the gospel's been declared this morning as we looked at God's word together. And so I have to ask if somebody here has never received Jesus, as Jesus Christ, as do that right now. If you've never done that, if you've never admitted you were a sinner, if you can't look back to a time in your life when you did that and then you believed what, who Jesus is and what he has done for you to save you from your sins and you confess that to God in prayer and asked him to be your say, do that right now. And the gospel is going to be declared again and the baptisms that will happen and I ask you, will you, will you encourage? I know they, they're typically second service people, right? But when you see them, will you encourage them uh, who have decided to make public their, their faith in Jesus? Will you pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to empower them to follow Jesus faithfully all of their lives? I have to ask, what about you? Um, I didn't know TJ and Will hadn't been baptized until this situation came up. So there might be others here that are. Is there something that's holding you back from obeying Jesus' command to make public your faith in him. You know, one of the greatest evidences that we have in Scripture, we didn't go there this morning, um, that baptism's not necessary for salvation. There's a thief on the cross, isn't it? Jesus is there. He's got one on one side, one on the other. They're both cursing him at one point. But something happened to that one. And in faith, he turned to Jesus, and he said, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was his sinner's prayer, I guess you could say. He was expressing his faith in Jesus Christ, that he was God's Messiah, and he was his Savior. That guy didn't get baptized, but what did Jesus tell him? Today, you will be with me in paradise. He didn't get baptized. He was a little preoccupied, wasn't he? His feet nailed to the cross, hands nailed to the cross. Um, so not necessary for salvation. You better have a pretty good reason why you can't, why you can't. What about all these other means of sustaining grace? Is that, I know as a follower of Jesus, as somebody who's been saved and born again, you want to experience God's, you need it. You need to experience God's sustaining grace. Well, God's word points us to how we can. Are you availing yourselves of that sustaining grace to faithfully follow Jesus in this world? Uh, are you spending time in his word? Are you communing with him in prayer every day? Are you obeying his command to assemble together for worship and for encouragement in your Christian walk? Are you serving the Lord? That's another one, a means of sustaining grace in our lives. Those are all means of his grace that he's given us, and the Lord's commanded us to use them. We need to make use of them so the Holy Spirit can work in us those good works that we were saved for, the good works we were saved to do, as Ephesians 2, 10 says, those means of sustaining grace are how the Holy Spirit conforms those who know God's saving grace into the image of Jesus. As Tommy comes and leads us in a time to respond to God's word, however God's Holy Spirit has moved on you today to respond, I just ask that you'd obey.